This podcast is part of E2C Network, where we share the whole Auburn experience. Hello and welcome to War Horses, the only college equestrian podcast that will take you through the sport and also talk about the uniforms with a college sports uniform expert. I'm your host, Auburn Elvis. Let's talk about some college equestrian. All right, so on the show today, we have a special guest, Clint Richardson of the Auburn Uniform Database. Uh, Welcome, Clint, to the show. Welcome to War Horses. Hi, I'm happy to be here. A lot of y'all are probably going to be a little bit more knowledgeable than Clint. Uh, In fact, some of y'all might be more knowledgeable than me. So, Clint, um, first question here, have you ever been to an equestrian meet? I have. I've been to the Auburn Equestrian Facility a couple of times as a student, and that was because back in the day, Auburn had the Auburn at Nighted program where students could get points or swiping in and checking into all these sporting events. So my friend group and I, we went to everything. And uh, one year I finished like number two in the rankings across the entire campus. Wow. So that's really the reason that we went to Equestrian. And sometimes we just ran in, checked in and left. Other times we stayed for a little while and I had no idea what was happening and it drove me nuts. I wish I knew what was happening when I was there. Right. Well, you know what? That You probably have more experience than many of the casual Auburn fans, uh, so that's great. But you said you really didn't have any idea of what the format was or how things were going. You basically hung around, and when everybody else started cheering, you would cheer, basically. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's, well, it, it really you know, had like a tennis match kind of vibe to it. Everybody's kind of quiet, and then they start cheering. It's like, all right, I don't know what happened, but sure, I'll take it. I don't know if we're doing well or bad or as, as an Auburn team, but whatever. There is a bit of a tennis match feel. You're right. In fact, the whole format, actually, the origin of the format for um, head-to-head team equestrian is based on how tennis is scored as well because, you know, tennis is a bit individualistic by nature. So what they do is they pair the tennis players up against one another, and if I beat you, I get a point for Auburn. If you beat me, you get a point for the other team, and then we total them all up at the end. Equestrian actually works the exact same way. We have 20 equestrian riders in in a full-size meet. Sometimes if you don't have enough horses or you're a small school or something like that, you'll only do four riders in every event. So that's 16, four times four for you Alabama fans out there. Um, But typically it's 20 riders. So my 20 riders will be matched up against your 20 riders in a head-to-head format. So if my single one beats yours, we get a point for Auburn and vice versa. If we get the same score from the judges, we're a tie, neither team gets the point in that case. And so you do that through all 20 of the rides, and whoever gets the best out of 20, and again, some of those might be no-point ties, so you're not always trying to get 11. Sometimes, you know, you win by getting 9 or something. Uh, So whoever gets the best of the available points wins the whole meet. If the overall points is tied at the end of the meet, which could easily happen, I mean, you could get 10 and I could get 10, we'd have a tie, then what you do is you go back and you look at all of the judges' scores that all of the riders got, combine them all together and compare those, and that will give you the tiebreaker. So why 20 riders and not 19 or 21? Why not go with an odd um, number? It's done five five riders per event, and there are four events in a meet. There are two basic disciplines. Uh, One discipline is called the jumping seat, and that's where the riders look like fancy English people. You know, they've got the jackets on, the helmets, uh, the high boots. You know, they look like fox hunters, basically. Uh, that, That style is called the jumping seat, and it's something to do with the saddle. I don't know all the details, but it's fancy. 
Uh, so there are two events in that, and then there are two Western events. So that's where the uh, riders look like cowgirls. So they're dressed in chaps and cowboy hats, uh, you know, cowboy shirts, jeans, all that, and cowboy boots, and they go and they ride. Basically, that's what you've got. You've got four events. You've got two Western events and two um, uh, jumping seat events and five riders in every event, and so that multiplies out to 20. And that's actually uh, what's called dual discipline, where you're doing both the Western and the, and the jumping seat. There are some schools who um, aren't big enough to have a full Western program, so they only do uh, the jumping seat events. And they actually have their own national championship tournament. Um, they'll still ride against Auburn and the schools that do both disciplines, but they'll only ride in those uh, jumping seat events. And, um, and those count for those small schools, but it doesn't count for Auburn. So even if Auburn were to get upset in the jumping seat, it wouldn't go on Auburn's record as a loss, but it would go on the other team like Sweetbriar. It would go on their record as a win because they did beat a jumping seat opponent. So, so it's kind of like Division 1A, 1AA in football. Uh, right. It's that kind of a thing. So. The season is broken up into two semesters. Uh, they have a season that essentially starts in a, about a month into football season and runs until Thanksgiving. And then they take a winter break. And then at the end of January, the season resumes in the spring and ends in March. Then you have your conference tournaments in the middle of March. And then in April, you have your national championship tournament. How many meets or events or games or what do we call it? First of all, how many do we play? We call it meets. Uh, these are equestrian meets. And um, we play or we ride six uh, in the conference. So those are six conference ones for the SEC because there are four SEC teams. So we ride home and away for the other, th- you know, each of those three. Um, and then we typically will get in about another um, five or six of the non conference schedule. And typically, uh, if you're going to go on the road, you'll try to batch up some opponents and do a couple of meets in the same weekend. It's not uncommon to save some money and try to swing through a couple of schools when you go on a road trip. um, Also, you can have a meet where two opponents will come to a single place. And uh, so if it's a big school like Auburn who might have a lot of horses, um, you know, they might bring in, and I think they're bringing in Oklahoma State and then some other uh, opponent on the same weekend. And so Auburn will ride against Oklahoma State in one meet. And then they'll turn right around and ride against that other team. And then those two teams, Oklahoma State and that other team, will ride against each other without Auburn involved, just using Auburn's horses. And it's a way economically to save some money. Right. Yep. So do they do they typically travel with a horse? Because I'm looking at the schedule now and I see like Fresno State and UC Davis. Do they usually come across the country with their own horses or do they only use a home team? horses you you almost always only use the home team um and it's because it is so expensive to to travel with the horses um the only time that you really travel are the conference tournament or the horses travel are the conference tournaments and the national championship tournament and so there's actually a whole process as far as the national championship where you'll nominate those and say yeah those would be good ones to come down to the national championship tournament in Florida and then uh all the best horses get chosen to go down to Florida. Oh, that's kind of so, cool. So yeah. So what do you know about Auburn's history in the sport or I mean you went to a few of them did you have you paid much attention to just Auburn's place within the sport or other teams, rivalries, things like that? I I know that Auburn is the equestrian powerhouse and and multiple national championships. What is it? Three straight conference championships. Four straight, but yeah. Four. Okay. 
Uh, Greg Williams is a, is a heck of a coach from what I can tell from not knowing anything. Um, Georgia is a tight matchup each time, I think, <laughs> but that's, that's about it. You know, just, I know that there's very few teams in the conference that have equestrian. There's very few teams across the country that actually participate in this. So you saying earlier, just four SEC teams is kind of right on the nose. Like I didn't realize it was that small. It is kind of small, and the reason for that is, and we're going to go a little into the weeds here, but that's okay. Uh, it, it, this is a, this is the appropriate time to do this. Um, when we talk about equestrian, I'm talking about the varsity level of equestrian where it is team in the head-to-head format that we talked about earlier. There is another type of college equestrian, but it doesn't use that team format. It is more of an individual format similar to how cross-country works. If you've ever listened to the Tiger Tracks uh, podcast with Kyle, ever you have a whole finishing order, and then based on where you finished in the order, you earn some points for your team, and that's how it works, but there is no true head-to-head. The reason that Greg Williams and a few other people formed this type of equestrian that we're talking about is because there are some inherent drawbacks to doing it that other way. If you've got a school or a couple of schools who have much better horses, they tend to do better than the other teams. Now, those horses get randomized, but still, if you're a good rider but you're on a bad horse, you've, you've got a ceiling that you're never going get to uh, get beyond in a, in a, in a horse show. In the IHSA, which is that other type of equestrian, they don't share horses. Uh, One rider gets randomly assigned a horse. So if you, you know, get the lottery and get a really good horse, you're going to have a really good score just because the horse knows what it's doing. Or it's a younger horse that's stronger, can do its, you know, maneuvers better. Um, And so that's, and, and I sort of alluded to this, but Greg Williams was the architect of this format. Um, He actually invented it, went around, pitched the ideas to other schools, and uh, enough schools bought bought into it, and uh, they formed this type of equestrian that is a varsity type of equestrian that is trying to gain full championship status within the NCAA. And that gets us into the weeds as well, where uh, we're going to talk about a detail where Technically, this is not a championship sport in the NCAA. Uh, That's why when you see these national championships, they talk about the NCEA, which is the National Collegiate Equestrian Association. So the reason for that is the NCAA has regulations on what sports can be championship-level sports, okay? And one of the regulations is you have to have a minimum of 50 schools. And that is a pretty high bar for a lot of these new sports. And so for years and years and years, uh, they weren't getting any new sports in because the threshold was so high. And so then after Title IX, in an effort to give more opportunities for women athletes, the uh, NCAA said, hey, what we'll do is we'll create a type of sport classification called emerging sport. You can have fewer than the 50 sports uh, if you're in this classification. We won't actually administer it. The peop- the member organizations will form their own governing body. We will oversee it, and we will sign off on what they do, you know, provided they meet certain, you know, uh, standards and things. And they're right. recruiting standards just like in the NCAA and all that. And as long as, you know, all that goes well, then you will, you know, earn your national championships, and we will sign off of them. They won't technically be NCAA until you become a championship sport. Um, but until then, you're an emerging sport. 
Okay. And so that's what NCEA Equestrian is. It's still trying to become a, um, a championship sport. And it's actually had a, a fairly significant growth spurt here in the last couple of years of getting a lot of new uh, schools in, particularly because they separated out the national championship into that single discipline and dual discipline, those two divisions I was talking about. Once they did that, a lot of the smaller schools who were doing IHSA, that, that more individualized type of, of equestrian, a lot of them started adding NCA teams because they realized, wow, we can instantly become championship-level contenders if we jump into that. So that's kind of uh, getting into the weeds of the sport in general, but hopefully it was informative. And for the listeners out there, you know, hopefully it was informative for them too. So we've talked about the format. Um, we've talked about you know how the scoring works. I mean, basically, we won't talk about what makes a good ride or a bad ride or anything like that because, frankly, a lot of times I can't tell. I think a girl did great, and she gets a much worse score than I thought she were, would, and I'm like, all right, I don't know what. Is, the judge is, it, is it kind of similar to gymnastics where it's just... It is, um, although everybody has to compete the exact same pattern. That's another thing. Unlike gymnastics where you have that freedom of saying, oh, well, I'm really good at this type of dismount or whatever, I'll do my own thing and I'll get more points than that other one. In equestrian, you all have to do the same thing. Okay. And if you go off pattern, you get a zero. So, okay. um, But like you said, yes, Georgia is another school that is a perennial power. They have as many national champs, championships as we do. Another contender is the current national champion is Oklahoma State. This was the first year uh, this past year that a non-current SEC school won the national championship. So until this year, all of the national championships in the sport have been won by Auburn, Georgia, South Carolina, and Texas A&M. Now, Texas A&M won many of them before they joined the SEC, but hey, when they join the SEC, we get to count all those. So <laughs> until this year, it was an SEC-dominated sport, like many sports. It came down to the final ride. If Texas A&M had won that final ride, it would have tied the overall score, and Texas A&M was leading in the, um, in the raw points, and so they would have won the tiebreaker. But the final ride went to Oklahoma State, so they won the national championship. So good job, Cowgirls. So, But yeah, historic for them. First time a non-current SEC school has won the national championship. That's crazy. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So at the very beginning of this, you mentioned that the two different disciplines, the, the, the jumping and the Western, have very different outfits or uniforms. Now, that's kind of where my mind goes, of course, being with the Auburn Uniform Database and other thing, and kind of why I can't, you know, I, I've always wanted to add as many teams onto the site as possible, but I don't know anything about equestrian the sport, how the scoring works, or even about the uniforms. So like, what can you tell me about what the girls wear, how they differ between the two, uh, you know, disciplines, and how they change over the years, if, if you know that. 
what we're what we're essentially involved in with is the college aspect of the sport. There is a whole professional side of this. Many of these, well, almost every one of these riders at this level, they have ridden in the junior amateur ranks, and then many of them who are the most talented will go on to ride professionally. And what that means is professional in this sport means anything from going to shows and doing competition where you're riding on some fancy rich person's horse and you're being contracted to train and ride that horse and demonstrate this is a good horse because again if there's a if you can win a lot on that horse they will then be able to make money off of that horse selling it for breeding and stuff like that so there are legitimate professional jobs in this sport where the riders go out and they compete both before Auburn and after Auburn and they have their own uniforms and their own styles and classifications. And what you see here at the college level is essentially a college version of what is competed in in those realms. I will say that the professional Western stuff is extremely ostentatious. What you have in the college realm is much more low-key, and the reason for that is cost, because you have to outfit, you know, many different riders, and the uniforms in the professional and junior amateur ranks in the in the individual non-college ranks can be $5,000 an outfit. Now, wow. And they might have two or three outfits that they would wear in a season. And so it can be very pricey to look that nice. And, you know, so in the college ranks, they don't want to spend that kind of money. So they, what they do is the, the sport itself has a rule book of how the outfit has to conform. And you can put a little bit of bling on it, but not too much. If you look at any of these Western outfits that these ladies would typically wear when they're not riding for their college, it's rhinestones everywhere. It's embroidery everywhere. Uh, the outfits are very tight and form-fitting because you're trying to illustrate the posture. There are certain ways that you're riding and how you move in concert with the horse that there are right ways and wrong ways to do it. And so by having a tight-fitting outfit, you can more easily tell if the rider is got her shoulders in the correct position or her hips are moving at the right pace with the horse and so the the uniforms are made so that uh they look more elegant and you can more easily see these types of movements i will say that there are uh, slight differences between horsemanship and reining um uh, reining is more of a just sprint down the 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 ring and then slide into a stop so that one is more of i think the the shirts and the outfits are a little bit uh more comfortable they're not quite as tight and form-fitted um, and they look more of what a, a rancher or a cowgirl would wear. The the horsemanship is more about the posture and everything, so everything is more tighter and, and just so that everything looks elegant and just sharper. When you're talking about the jumping seat, those two uh, uniforms are the same if you're on the flat or fences, exact same uh, uniform. You don't do a costume change in between those, whereas if you were Deanna Green or Taylor Searles riding both reining and horsemanship, you got to do a costume change in between uh, the two of them. Now, you're going to wear jeans, probably black jeans or whatever color jeans your school jeans would be, and then you're going to have chaps, which tend to be black leather chaps, but you could get a slightly off color or a brown or something like that if it went with your, your school's color scheme. They typically all go with black. 
Um, the hats, the cowgirl hats are, are typically black, although they might be red if it's Fresno State or something like that, or a dark orange maybe for Oklahoma State. But they're all uniform, and they'll have pressed into it, um, uh, you know, they'll, they'll hot press into the leather, the logo into the hat. And, um, and the shirts for the western size shirts will have an embroidery typically on the back uh, for the school. Typically, it's the logo, uh, but it could be some some off version of the logo, like a third logo. South Carolina has a really nice pinstripe horsemanship uh, uh, outfit that's very thin gray, charcoal gray, and lighter gray pinstripes. And then they've got a palmetto embroidery on the back. Very beautiful. And uh, it's like, oh, wow, that's really cool. Um, You know, but Auburn could do a peacock, you know. I mean, hey, if we're we're introducing third logos, why not? You know, peacock. Sure. Or the the eagle through the A. I mean, Auburn could do that. Now, there is a limit on the amount of colors you can have. Uh, The shirt can't have more than, uh, I think it's, you can't have more than two colors on the shirt. So that that pinstripe that SC has, that's that's pushing it. You know, can't do more than that. They're typically solid colors, but you could do a little bit of a of a multicolor look. Um, on the uh, the back over to the the jump and seat side, it's typically a uh, standard jacket. Um, they they're apparently in the riding world. There there's been a, a fad recently to have a shorter cut, and and these are not my words, but uh, R-rated judge uh, Sissy Wicks, and R-rated doesn't mean what you think it means. yeah it means registered or whatever um but she she says that the shorter ones show their butts and i guess that's the style nowadays but she's a traditionalist she doesn't like it and the nca is a traditionalist as well so the jackets are the longer cut uh it's more you know traditional but they do allow a a second color color of the collar or a pinstripe or or an edging stripe around the the collar is also something that has been a a recent um, fashion uh, on these jackets they tend to be a darker color although you will typically see or you will occasionally see a um, a red you know one of these schools like a Fresno State or maybe a Georgia although Georgia typically does a black because it just it looks more fancy um, Auburn will do a navy blue um, but other schools uh, like Baylor has a dark green that looks very very nice so and then they'll have the school logo on the uh, on uh, no, they have the conference logo on the uh, on the the breast pocket area of the jacket, and then they wear a white button down shirt where the collar has been folded over. So instead of a collar like you and I would wear um, open, the collar has been turned up and folded over, and then on that fold over is the embroidered logo of the school. So the AU on Auburn is on sort of the underside of the collar. If you wore it like a a man typically wears his collar you would never see the logo, but it's right. folded up and then crossed over so that you see the logo. And it looks very fancy. It's, it's Yeah, I'm looking at a picture right now, and it's almost like on the Adam's apple, per se. Exactly, yes. It's it's in lieu of wearing an ascot, which I think in the, um, you know, like the Olympic level, they may wear ascots, but okay. in order to save money and, and all, you know, it, it's a white button-down shirt that's been you know, modified. And that's a lot cheaper option than outfitting everybody <laughs> with custom fitted ascots with embroidery. Yeah. Well, and, and you so, mentioned the, the, the collar design on the jacket. And again, looking at yes. photos, like the Auburn jackets are, are they black or are they a dark navy? They're a dark navy and they're from a company. I forget what the name of the company is. Anybody in the world of riding would know them, but they're based out of New York. So they're fancy. 
they must be fancy, right? They're in New York. They've got to be. They've got to be. So, uh, yeah. The top of the jacket collar has a orange trim around it with a white stripe. Right, with a white stripe around that. And then the, the pocket and the button holes have a yep. orange little detail on it so like the orange really pops against the the base color and then the the western style is like a very reflective satin blue it's almost a royal blue with yes uh with the au logo on the left chest we also have a dark gray version of that shirt um but yeah we typically go with a dark blue or uh maybe a black as well Yes, the gray the gray one's kind of interesting because it's um, looks like AU logos on the collar and then coming down from the collar, kind of wrapping out. Oh, across the chest is the the Auburn. towards the armpits. It says Auburn on both sides, and it's it's a choice. <laughs> well, you know, yes, I mean, it's kind of like you've run into this with gymnastics uh, that variety is the spice of life. Even if you're not right. hitting it out of the park on every single you, you, leotard, the fact that you are coming out with a new leotard in and of itself is exciting. And so in equestrian, they don't they don't add a new shirt every season. Um, I think it's about every other season they'll introduce one uh, on the western side, and they may change the jump and seat jackets every four years or so. I think it's okay. about where it is because we used to have where the um, the fabric pieces that made up the, the upper part of the collar was orange. So everything was navy blue, and then there was a, a solid piece of fabric that made the, the upper part of the collar that was all orange. Um, and I think UT Martin has that look now. So they basically are a couple of years behind Auburn. <laughs> UT Martin still had more Auburn uniforms. Exactly, yes. Whenever we, we play them in something, it, it's a little bit of a second uh, double take. So, yeah. There is a little bit of an element of fashion, and uh, it's the kind of thing where, yeah, I could, I would definitely love to find out more just because anything I found out, I, I would love to pass on to you so that it could hopefully wind up on in the Auburn University database sometime, someday. So, yeah, I'd love to help make that happen. And so things like helmets and gloves and boots are generally... Uh, up to the discretion of the rider, but there there's only like so many manufacturers who do that. It's kind of like with football helmets, you know, Riddell and whatever, Nike, yeah, Schultz or whatever. They there's a couple of them, but beyond that, you know, that's it. You know, there's it's one of four or five options, and then there right. you go. Same thing in the riding world. Same thing with the gloves or the or the boots, as long as they're black. They, they meet it, but, you know, the cut of the boot might be a little bit different. Oh, and yeah, we got into, we, we touched on this with the, uh, with now with name image likeness, many of these athletes have sponsorships. And so this is an area where, this is an area where, you know, a rule change is working as intended. You know, over in football and basketball, everybody's complaining about NIL. But here in the Olympic sports, like equestrian, it's working as it's intended, which you've got these athletes who are able to now start making a little bit of extra money. It's nothing groundbreaking. It's probably not as much as their scholarship value, but they're getting a little something extra. Their name image likeness is worth something. The achievements they've done are worth something. And they're able to cash in on it. It's not just some other party out there, the, a media organization or even the school isn't the only one cashing in on them. You know, 
If you are somebody in the Auburn area who has a product and you want a national champion athlete or a SEC champion athlete out there to endorse your product, hey, get some get some of these equestrian athletes. All right, well, that has been our show. Hopefully, uh, we've enlightened some of the listeners. They've learned a few things. Hopefully, you, Clint, have learned some things. I want to thank you for being here. Uh, it's always a delight. Um, and I love it when I run into you at Auburn Stuff. And now that you live in Auburn, it's going to be much easier for me to run into you. Hopefully, I'll see you at the Equestrian Center at some of these meets coming up. <laughs> I'll, I'll have to meet you there one day so that you can teach me, you know, in the field. <laughs> well, that's one of the things, you know, if you're new to the sport, not just Clint, but anybody and you see it, it's on the schedule, swing out there and go buy a meet because uh, it is a very laid-back attitude, atmosphere. Uh, it's it's basically, I tell people, it's like a garden party. You're going to go out there, there's going to be lots of people you talk to, and the entertainment, instead of a band, is going to be the some of the best riders in the country riding for your entertainment. So you really can't ask for more than that. You're going to go, you're going to have a good time, you're going to meet some people, you're going to cheer, there's a decent chance Auburn's going to win, and yeah, you're going to get to see some of the best riders in the country. So come on out to an Auburn Equestrian Meet. I, I think you'll enjoy it. Quite fun. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Clint. This has been great. War Eagle and War Horses. War Eagle. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode on the E2C Network. On your way out, I want to remind you to stop by E2Cnetwork.com. It's your one-stop shop for all our content across our podcast, YouTube channel, and much more. To stay up to date with us, make sure you're following social media accounts such as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. While our content here may always be Auburn sports heavy, if it's orange and blue, it's what we do. War Eagle.